the keen eye. I'm back with Coburn today, and we're back at the Trinity Intake office, but we have a brand new story. Um, this is something we've been thinking and talking about doing since, we you know, we kind of started with recovery stories. It was one of the first questions that we asked ourselves after we started recording a lot of these stories was, we had a lot of people talk about their parents and kind of the strife their parents went through and that they put their parents through and kind of the different roles that parents have played not only in recovery but in addiction and just in the overall life of the people that we've talked to. Um, and so this has been kind of a year in the making, just kind of getting ready and figuring out how we were going to do this and kind of some of the ways we wanted to do this. And I'm super excited that today we have our very first mother with us today <laughs> to talk about recovery. So we're here with Sandy today and... We're just super excited to, to have a conversation with Sandy. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess we'll we'll get right to it. Um, actually, let's get a little bit about you first. That'd yeah. probably be a good place to okay. start. So, so I um, work and live in the community. I've been in Soldotna about 10 years. Um, I have two sons. Uh, both of them have struggled with addiction. Um, and I have uh, one of my sons is in recovery, has been for almost two years now. Um, I guess that's how I identify, right, is, mm-hmm. <laughs> is my son a drug addict. Uh, it, it's a stigma. Um, I think that people have, as a parent, you feel like you failed because you know you're the one who brought them into this world and you're responsible for how they turn out. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my story. That's who I am. Uh, I have a lot of other stuff about me. I'm a very spiritual woman. I love God. Uh, and I think... You know, that obviously that's what has gotten me through all of this, and um, I just want to give back. Yeah. Because we talked about stigma yesterday, right? So we met yesterday, and to kind of just talk about some things, but I think it's the stigma of parents in addiction is a very interesting one, just because, first of all, when we think about stigma, it's usually kind of this guilt or shame-producing thing like that people kind of put on us and the way that they view people or things and it's just societal you know it's just things that happen Mm -hmm. but it's interesting with parents because they're so much farther separated from from the root of the stigma which is addiction obviously than even the addict themselves which you can say to you could argue to a certain point that the addict kind of is separated from themselves in that too when their addiction kind of takes over like the decision-making process, really, and kind of all your other priorities kind of go out the window. But for a parent, it's even more distant because you're not literally the one making the choices and decisions. But I, is it, I guess that leads me into a question. Like, how do you, like, as a parent in those moments, how do you feel like you've played into those? Or do you feel like you've played into those a little bit? Or, like, do you ask yourself some of those hard questions? Or Well, you know, obviously, so... Uh, I, I lead a group, um, I do once or twice a year a group called Hurting Moms, and it's a, it's a curriculum of 10 weeks where really we deal with the shame and guilt of what we've done, uh, not what our child has done, uh, when you have a child that is in addiction. And you said something that really made me think that as a parent, we've known that child since they were a baby. And so when we see them in their addiction, like you said, they're separate from their addiction. They don't even see themselves as changed. And as the parent, you're looking at that child like that is your child. 
what happened. Like, mm-hmm. And so when you're expecting them to react to you how they've always reacted to you, when you're expecting them to um, do all the things that you taught them to do and they no longer do that, again, you don't, it, it's difficult to put that it's that drug that has separated them and that they are a different person that even they don't have control over. That's a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. When did you first kind of discover that your sons were, were struggling with this? or What was that experience like? So, I mean, you know, long history. I was married to a drug addict, didn't know that when we got married, you know, mm-hmm. young, got married, had kids. Um, he hit it really well, was able to function very well. But when I did become aware of it, I was the typical codependent enabler and pretended that everything was okay. My oldest son, um, he started when he was 12, 13, uh, getting in trouble, doing things. And so my other son, who was the good kid, was affected, of course, by the fact that all of the attention was going on to his older brother. And then, and he, he did well. And then about when he was 18, 19, he was out on his own and started dabbling, but could always function. Um, he ended up having a, a major surgery, um, had free access to oxycodone, and that's when his addiction really changed. And uh, it was from that point that it just, you know, spiraled downhill. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I guess as a mother, for me, I, I, I made a lot of excuses for him, like, oh, he he may be partying a little, but it's not that bad. And, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until, he has two children, so it wasn't until he completely um, stepped out of their lives that, you know, I realized it was as serious as it was. Right. Mm. Do you think some of that kind of stemmed from your husband and what he struggled with and you kind of pushing that aside? Do you think that approach kind of carried on to your kids or, or was that really separate? Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> and honestly, I, I don't think I knew better. Um, yeah. I, you know, obviously when I was younger, my kids were younger. It, it hasn't been until recently that all of the research and everything that we know now that we didn't know then. And um, it's just, it's amazing the difference. And so, yeah, definitely, because it wasn't until I learned what codependency was. Had I gotten help myself probably when I was still married to their father, their lives would have turned out differently. Again, Mm. part of that shame and guilt that I deal with, like, had I done this differently. But then I have to look at, you know, okay, I didn't, and this was the result, and now what can I do to help that mother that was like me? Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm here. It's yeah. so interesting hearing that. It's, it's almost like you were kind of naive when you first got together with your husband, and mm-hmm. then he exposed you to this really broad spectrum of grays that you had never seen, because <laughs> you're like, you've actually been addicted for a long time, and I didn't know, so maybe this is kind of okay since things are kind of okay between us. So maybe that kind of changed your perspective. And, and when your kids started getting into it, it's like, well, you know, I mean, it kind of worked out for us. Like, I have a pretty good life, and so does right. my husband. So maybe they'll just kind of figure it out. But then, then yeah. they didn't there a little really bit of that, like, I guess, like, kind of what Coburn's saying, like, okay, I made it work here. Like, just as, like, a person, you know what I mean? Like, I made it work here. Like, I can make it work over here, too. Like, I can kind of figure this out, or, like, yeah, figure, or he's going to figure this out. I don't know if that was it, because when because we split up when the kids, um, my youngest was about 12, and so mm-hmm. the oldest was already, he, you know, was already had been done a couple of jail stints, right. and he was pretty messed up, and, um, and my youngest, um, he... So there was a there was a big gap in time when I wasn't with 
his right. dad. And uh, I think, I honestly, I just don't think I, ne- I ever thought it would be him. Right. I just didn't ever think it would be him. Mm-hmm. And so as a parent, you tend to like think, again, it goes back to, I knew him as this sweet child that, you know, would do anything for me and that was the best dad in the world and was a provider. And so you tend to ignore some of those uh, signs in the beginning until it's full blown. It's right? kind of like the so, rose colored glasses of yeah. parenthood. Yeah. Yeah. Is that you, you took care of this person since they were totally helpless, just a little baby. And so you kind of still want to take care of them. And you're like, oh, yeah, they have these flaws, but they're a good person yeah. at heart. I, I love them so much. But it, it sounds like that kind of that that love that you have for them is kind of gets in the way of, of seeing that things are not okay well in the and, world. and also let me add is mm-hmm. <laughs> I was all I was raised my father was a police officer I was raised mm-hmm. in a you know had really good morals and whatnot but I do want to say too is that there is that fear um, of what will happen to your child if you don't intervene mm-hmm. so there is a fine line between that enabling um, and try and prevent them literally from dying. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. That fear of death that a parent has is, Mm -hmm. it's overwhelming. It really is. And Mm -hmm. that fine line of what is enabling, um, I believe that you, they have to know you love them. They have to know you're going to be there. And that kind of became my mantra. I will be there in your recovery, but I cannot be part of your addiction. Mm -hmm. And, um, if you say it often enough, you can convince yourself. Right. You can yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and again, I, I think that's exactly what happened to me. I, I had a, a really good friend who we used to talk all the time. She was a drug addict and had been clean for 30 years. And she used to constantly tell me, you can't do this for him. You can't do that for him. And, and my head knew it, but it just did not connect to my heart. And the day that it connected to my heart changed all of our lives. Mm-hmm. So. so did you have some, some moments either kind of directly afterward or even now you look back on at the time you thought you were doing the right thing, but now you're like, oh, maybe maybe that wasn't such a good move. But now that you have the perspective, you can look back and see like that felt like the right thing to do, but it wasn't. Do you have any situations like that? Oh, absolutely. The, the year before my son um, got clean, uh, and I know, and again, with the addict, I, I know this. I know this from from him. And you, I, I know this is common knowledge. They don't mm-hmm. want to be there. They don't want to be an addict. You know, mm-hmm. he wanted to be a father and a son. And um, so it, it's not where they want to be. Um, but he came home. Uh, I let him move back in because he was going to go to treatment. He went to treatment. He was there about a week. Um, and, of course, it wasn't his fault that he left. And <laughs> I, I want to add, they're extremely manipulative, as you know. Mm-hmm. That's part of the drug and that whole culture. And when you... Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm naive, but when you want to believe the best in people and you try to look mm. at things, that it's easier to believe, and it's easier to believe when it's your child. So anyway, he did come home, and um, it took about, I knew he was using again, and I went through that same thing where I made excuses for him, and I thought, well, maybe tomorrow, and he had all kinds of reasons why, and um, and so he stayed for about four months, and I was at a point, literally almost lost my marriage over it um, because I was still defending him. And, uh, and I do believe God intervened and took him out of the home, and he was back on the streets for another, couple, another year before he, he came back this last time. So, hmm. um, yeah, I definitely regret that. I, re- I, re- I wish, th- I, maybe I could have saved a whole year had I 
put my foot down, um, you know, prior to that year. But yeah, but I mean that that's a lot of responsibility to take on yourself, you know. But how do you? That is that kind of leads into the the complexity of what you know you feeling like almost like you have a role in in his recovery, which you do. But at the same time, like we were we just got done talking with Nathan and he was he was telling us that you know unless someone truly decides that they're ready to be done with it they're not mm-hmm. going to be done with it you Absolutely. know until they totally are like, you know what i've had enough i've lived this yeah. life enough mm-hmm. so you know maybe even if you had put your foot down a year i mean that would have put you in the, the the position of of more supportive instead of you know enabling but then again you know who knows what his decision yeah, who is going to do- be yeah exactly who does know right i don't know mm-hmm. maybe had i not let him come back he wouldn't have lived long enough to right. have made the decision himself i don't ever yeah, i don't yeah. question those things because mm-hmm. i believe those are totally in god's hands and oh, yeah. and the the night that i when he he asked to come home and i told him no um and I knew that that night I knew something had happened. I just, I knew in my spirit that something had happened and indeed it had. And three months later he did come back and he called me and said, I, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I had completely quit trying to make contact with him. Um, mm. and he was ready and he actually, his story is pretty amazing because, um, he went to detox for four days and left the state and went to work and has never used drugs again. Mm. He, mm-hmm. I feel like he was delivered. I mean, he believes it. He believes that a miracle happened in his life, and he mm. was able to just stop. And yeah. and he's back. He's got a really good job. He's got two beautiful kids that he has back in his life. And so, yeah, yeah he's part of the family again. It's like it never happened. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the problem, I think. You know, it did happen. And mm-hmm. so I've got to tell the story because right. I could go back to just living life, right, and yeah. be happy and, well, look what happened for me. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there suffering. Yeah. So what was the build up to to putting your foot down and saying, No, this isn't you 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 can't come back. It was Christmas, it right? It was Christmas. I don't yeah. know if I don't know if our, our listeners heard that because we had some yeah. great conversations yeah, yeah. yesterday. yesterday yeah. Uh but what what was the lead up to that? Like what started the down the path of, you know what, I can't I can't keep letting him yeah. more or less get away with kind of deceiving both of us. Yeah. Himself and you into thinking there's not a problem. I, I have to tell you, again, uh, it was a God thing. I do not know what what gave me the courage on that night to do what I did because I, he, I had not spent a Christmas away from him, 30 years. Mm. And that night, I think it was Christmas Eve, he asked if he could come home. And I told him no, that he could not come home um, and that, that I was going to have his daughters over the next day and that he couldn't come home. He couldn't be a part of it until he was ready to to stop using drugs and that I loved him and that, you know, I'd always be there. And I remember getting off the phone and this kind of makes me, it's probably the, the hardest thing I've ever had to do. But I knew for some reason I had the most peace I've ever had in my life about that decision. I knew that that was the right decision. And I didn't see the fruits of that for three months later. So for three months, I wondered where my child was. Mm-hmm. I wondered if he'd gone out and overdosed that night or if he had gone down a path I would never see him again. But I still knew in my heart that I had done the right thing. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what kept you? I mean, I'm sure those three months were extremely painful. It and... was weird. It was really weird. I had a peace. I had such a peace those three months. I I knew that that night... That was the beginning of the change. For mm-hmm. some reason, I just, 
I had a piece. I, and again, I used to always text him and ask where he was and make sure he was okay. And I, I quit texting him. I tr quit trying to contact him. And he would, every once in a while, he'd text me and let me know he was okay and then, or that, well, he, that he wasn't okay and that he needed me and that he needed help. And I would tell him back that I was there for him when he was ready. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'd help him get a place. Mm -hmm. So was it really that, I mean, was it really that black and white of, of that day? I mean, it with, was. It was just like <laughs> up until was. that point, you're like, ah, you know what, That's, he's kind of right. And then you just changed. You yeah, just it was, switched gears. I have been working on it a long time. And mm -hmm. again, I, I want to go back to this, kind of give a plug for that Hurting Moms program that I um, have led. It's a ten, Again, it's a 10-week curriculum. Um, and it, it's really powerful. It is 10 weeks of really working on not the addict but on yourself right. like what do I need to do and that it's not my fault and even if it is my fault it's not my fault now you know right. that kind of um, owning up to some of the things you did right and some of the things you did wrong and yet being able to move on and knowing what's best mm -hmm. so um, I think I had done one class before uh, this happened with him and so I I had really gained a lot of the tools which there are other places to gain the tools and I think mm -hmm. again Going back to, poor, to to parents with that stigma and being afraid to reach out and being afraid to get help and or not even knowing where to go to get right. help. I think that's a big one. As I, from a lot of people we've talked to, like a lot of their parents, and through no fault of their own, just really don't know what to do. Yeah, you know, like, right. Like where, like where do I go? What, like mm -hmm. who do I even reach out to? Like in. That's kind of a yeah. big nerve-wracking question. Yeah, and I, it's sort of one of my things. Like, I would love to see more resources for that. I'd love to be a part of that at some point. Um, mm -hmm. So I, uh, there, there's a lot of – there's secular help and there's Christian help. I'm sure there's a lot of programs out there. For me, this was the one that really worked for me, and I've had several women that have gone through it and have ha had the same experience that, mm -hmm. you know – so you adopted this program from somewhere else? It, it's called Hurting Moms, and, mm -hmm. and they're a, it's, a, um, it's an actual national, I think, international organization. Oh, okay. um, they have online support groups, and they have uh, people who lead groups, which, again, like I say, I do usually one a year. Mm -hmm. um, I think I have some pamphlets that, that when I get ready to do it, I put some pamphlets out at Serenity. And I know Dale is uh, very aware of the program, and he's mm -hmm. so... I think part of the reason that you're you're not seeing uh, as many parents go that route is because that's not the initial reaction. Or I'm even surprised if it was your reaction at all, honestly. Because if you have a child who's who's in addiction, you would think that the natural reaction would be like, "This person needs help. My child needs help." Not, "I need help." Mm -hmm. Trying to understand the pain and stuff that I've been feeling in order to help, help them. You. That's right. 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 So so taking your perspective on, I can't. I can't do this. I can't be the supporting force in his life that I want to. So I'm going to go out and look for resources to make me a better person. I think that's not where a lot of people start. Right. right. So to, to even understand that is basically a skill of some kind. Like there is a, a real choice that you can make that can help. Yes. Instead of, well, I hope they're okay kind of thing. So I think that that was the big shift in perspective was you understanding that I need outside source to be able to deal with this kind of thing. I, it's for a parent. It's an overwhelming. Um, I'd met with a lady even last night who was saying we were talking about how 
because the responsibility is so immense, that's your child. Like, mm -hmm. so part of you is once you get past the whole pride thing and oh, gee, yeah, what did I, I do thinking, wrong? I was thinking, I was thinking, you really got to humble yourself yeah, you to do. do this. Yeah, you get past that part, then mm -hmm. then it's like, um, I, I, it's like living with the death of a child that hasn't died. And I, don't, mm -hmm. I've not lost a child. My parents have, so I know what that, I know what that grief is like. But that to live with that not knowing, um, you know, if your child has an illness or a disease, you go to a doctor and they can get treatment. And, and if they're not going to get better, you know that. And I'm not saying that that's any easier, but you know that you go through that process. When you have a child in addiction, you don't know what tomorrow is going to be. You don't know mm -hmm. whether they're going to get treated. You don't know if they're going to die. And to lit, wake up every day with that on your mind, and you do, it, mm -hmm. it, it, it completely takes over what your thoughts are and how you function and how you treat people. And, mm. and so I know for me, I had to come to a point where I've got to go on living. I have other people that depend on me. For me, it was my grandchildren. You mm -hmm. know, it was my son's kids. I had to fill in the gap until he could get back there. Yeah. And so. It's almost like you're going through the grieving process. Absolutely. And then once you, it was once you were able to let go of the fact that you weren't in control of his life, mm -hmm. it sounds like that's when you were able to really love him because you had let go of the control that you were desperately trying to have of wanting your child to be alive, wanting to know that they're safe. I mean, if they're, I think there's a feeling of the, if they're in your home, even if they're doing drugs, at least you know, yeah, exactly. at least you can break down the door and yeah. give them, you know, yeah. the lock zone yeah. or something if they're, if or Narcan, if they're, right. you know, dying but you don't know so it it is it's so strange to hear that it's almost like an active grieving process of mm -hmm. someone who is still alive yeah but that a, a part of them kind of has died to you in order to to distance yourself yep. enough to help them i feel like it's almost like a it's like security you know what i mean like you talk to parents obviously like we're not parents but I have two of them. And so, <laughs> like, yeah, always so, like, it's a sense of security, you know what I mean? Like, you want security, you want to be secure in the fact that you know that your kids are okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that they're going to be okay. You yeah. Know? And I feel like coming to terms with the fact that, like, like you said, like, like, the grieving process starts when you're like, my kid might not be okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like, the long term, like, not even, like, today or tomorrow, but, like, right. they very well, like, might not be okay, like, What's that kind of process feel like? You know what I mean? Like when you're kind of like coming through to like, well, they actually really might not be okay. You know what I mean? You like know, you said, yeah. Like, and like, I think, again, for me, it was a long process because for the longest time, my son functioned. You know, mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. had a job. He uh, was doing I mean, I knew he wasn't quite right. And there was things about him that I wished were different. But, and it wasn't until he, I mean, literally lost his job and didn't work and, um, which is not him. He's all, he's worked since he was 13 years old. And so to see him living that life, um, yeah, it gets worse and worse. Again, it, it, I want to say it goes back to that. Really, it's life and death. It, mm -hmm. it goes back to where you're not even worried about him getting, not that you are, you you want them well. You're not so worried about them getting well as you are them just staying alive. Mm. And, and again, I think it goes back, you know, you were asking about what happened that one night. Well, I think what happened for me is I, something I've known in my head, but I had this realization that I knew that God loved him more than I did. And that, mm. you know, I had to let go. Like this is, this, it's one of that I had no control anymore. No, not even any influence anymore. Mm. And that something outside of me was going to have to change him. It wasn't going to be me. Mm. And then again, back to that, I needed to take care of myself. 
and yeah. that and and allow God to take care of me and to give me that peace and that calm. Mm. So, and this is this is so interesting be hearing uh, from your perspective because we have heard people who have been in addiction who later on, once they're in recovery, have realized how much pain their parents were in. Oh, sure. And mm -hmm. have have kind of understood that this wasn't just self-destructive. It's just destructive. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like the self part is in your head. Yeah. Because you don't right. see what's happening everywhere yeah. else because you're yeah. just in your head. You're just selfish, basically, because that's once it, you know, takes the over. The, of the disease. Right. Sure. Right. Um, but understanding that there's people who really love people in addiction who also need some support. And that support could even help the person in addiction. Absolutely. So it's it's more more of a comprehensive like understanding how this process works, if we could understand it even as a community of how this is affecting more people than just the people who are struggling, mm -hmm. but that it's having these ripples. And if we can support those people who are experiencing the ripples, right. then kind of narrow down on on the person who's really struggling. So mm -hmm. it's right. definitely a different a different perspective of, of going kind of from the outside in rather than starting with the person who's really struggling. Definitely. And I yeah. think it's a community. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just say, I think I, it's interesting because I think that's probably one of the biggest things I have to do now for my son is to just really assure him that it, it, that was the past, mm. you know, that that doesn't matter anymore because – and obviously, you know, as you know, that's why it's hard for them to get out of addiction is because when they have to – when they start facing what they've done mm -hmm. to their families and their children and, the, you know – that that's difficult. I mean, that's why you've numbed in the first place, right? So, mm. um, I think that's one of the things that, um, again, that we we talk a lot about. My son and I talk a lot about about, you know, it doesn't matter. It's none of that matters anymore. You yeah. Know? So, got to going on going forward. I think that's the perspective you you have to have to really help those people because I think there you can go the other way and let go of someone and grieve them as if they're lost and then don't no longer acknowledge them as alive. Right. And I think that is really destructive because maybe that person will come out of it because they realize, wait a minute, this isn't okay. But unless you have that return acceptance of that was the past and you are okay now, mm -hmm. they're just going to have to carry that burden. Like that's another piece of, of baggage kind of that they're going to have to work through is that someone basically gave up on them. And you don't want to give up. You want right. to let go. Yeah, you don't exactly. want to give, give up. up. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, a, exactly. that's kind of a fine line. Yeah. Because yeah. once yeah. you go through the grieving process, you have to still love them, even though you've been through so much pain and you kind of acknowledge that maybe they're not coming back. Yeah. But then mm -hmm. still loving them, especially after they have come back and, and rebuilding that trust. What was that like? Rebuilding the trust. Yeah, I was say, uh, like a certain level of excitement, like when they get through and oh, like, like a new yeah. hope, you know what I mean? You're like, but then kind of in the background, yeah, you may sure. be like, this sure. yeah, could go on. as well. Uh, yeah. So the first few months, you're like, where are you going? When are you going to be home? What are you doing? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, and it's like, you know, th that kind of thing. And, I, and I'm sure that's different from, for everybody. But I'm at this point, And again, it's, you know, it's been almost two years. But I'm kind of at a point where, like, it's the last thing on my mind. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Again, I truly believe that, be that, that, yeah, yeah, I believe that that is something God has given me, too. It's that peace that I have that it doesn't matter even if he does relapse. It doesn't matter. Like, mm -hmm. it. I mean, it, not that it doesn't matter. It would matter, but <laughs> I am not going to let one moment of thinking about what could happen ruin the beauty of what is happening. And so wow. I kind of, I live like that. I, I, um, you know, I treat him like I always did. And I think for him, when he walks in a room and everybody's face lights up and like his grandparents, my parents are mm -hmm. proud of him and his 
children can't wait for him to get home. And those are the things for the addict, I'm sure. Again, they take time, right. you know, to trust that that, are you going to love me tomorrow? Are you, are mm-hmm. you, or are you going to think about what I did and not love me? Mm-hmm. And um, that was a big thing for him. You know, how can you still love me? Mm-hmm. And as a parent, I think it's a very unique position to be in. It's yeah. not like a friend or a sister or somebody that can cut you off. I'm not saying that fathers don't feel the same way, but there's something about a mother's love that yeah. is totally un- unconditional. Right. I mean, I'm sure giving birth to yeah. a, a, the actual <laughs> person like is an experience. Like rooted, like Guy biological. Not yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Just the level of intimacy that like, exactly. not only parents, but mothers as mothers, well, just yeah. from carrying a child physically yeah. and like the mental effect yeah. that that has and like, Mm-hmm. In the whole process, that's really like extra nine months yeah. you spend with your mom than with your dad. You know yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, technically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, literally. And so, <laughs> I think there is like some like really proven like fact that like a mother's intimacy is just like a little bit deeper than yeah. really the rest of the world can really provide. Yeah. You know, like, it's just a very, it well, is definitely a really possible. Position. Yeah. 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 You know, and not to say there aren't some bad moms out there and, you know, that, 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 kids can't relate to their moms but I again it's just in my situation and I know many 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 mothers that I have met that you know you might meet them and think you have a son in addiction or you have a child in addiction you know we we just it's everybody you it's anybody you meet Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. any walk of life yeah yeah it's so interesting hearing your perspective I think that's even healthy even not being a parent of someone in addiction but to go through the process of realizing that there's people in your life you're going to really care about. You cannot control anything about it. Right. And you have to make that balance of, because of, if you really do care about them, you, you, you care about their decisions, not to the extent of a parent, of course. Right. But if you have a friend that you really care about, you really want what's best for them. Mm-hmm. But then there has to be some kind of limit of like what you're willing to support them in, right. of right. what is okay, you know. Um, and it, I think it's a much less direct role, but it's very good to understand that you do kind of have to let go of something right. you cannot control the people that you love you just can't i think i think one of the things that's really interesting too with that is we talked a little bit about the manipulative behavior um some of the the arguments or discussions you can get into with an addict is that they you know they flip things around and they th- somehow make you you feel like everything that they're doing is your fault and there's mm-hmm. that Definitely. that whole thing that goes on there and so when for me, when I w- recovered from that that shame, that guilt, and always letting him manipulate me, that was my constant thing back to him was that I will always love you. You know, I will always love you. This isn't you. Like, mm-hmm. I will always love you. You can't, there's nothing you can say to me. There's nothing you can do to me. There's mm-hmm. nothing that will prevent me from loving you and accepting you back when you have faced what you know what it is that you're going through yeah and so i think that's important to not get caught up in those arguments because we would have screaming matches and me trying to convince him that you <laughs> of what was him. wrong and yeah. then oh, you yeah. know and him convincing me that everything that was wrong was my fault and that whole you get so wrapped up in that emotion and just to stop those conversations to decide you're not going to have those conversations with them yeah and um i've hung up on him i you you know you hang up a lot you Nope, not going to have that. I love you. I'm not going to have this conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that through all that, even through all of the things that are going on in their heads, they know that. You mm-hmm. know, they know that. They hear that. Mm-hmm. They know that they're loved and they know that it's them. So, mm-hmm. which is so strange that you can, it almost sounds like kind of like a 
a poor relationship in general almost of like someone saying to someone else you don't love me because you don't do this for me <laughs> right. it's like that is not how that works yeah. but if you really do love that person there's a part of you that really does want to, them to understand that You're well like, and again no, it goes people... back to that parent relationship where yeah. well he must be right it must be my fault and so you can yeah. really got, get caught up in those conversations as a parent yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. society might kind of be on board with that <laughs> exactly. which is not good yeah, yeah right. you did ruin him yeah. like what is your problem? You messed him up. And he's like, you did mess me up. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Guys, exactly. this is not yeah. fair. Exactly. So I think that that narrative can get really twisted of, yes. of what is love. Oh, well, you owe me now because you, you messed me up. There's all these normal people. Right. They had good <laughs> lives and good parents. You mm -hmm. screwed me up, so now you owe me. And that's, right. that's not true. And yeah. there's this like... There's this weird, like, romanticization of, like, what unconditional love looks right. like. You know right. what I mean? Like, well, that's a manipulated definition yes, sometimes, for sure. If you love me unconditionally, you right. let me stay here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. We're like, no. Like, <laughs> I really do love you, but I really just, like, also want you to get better. Mm -hmm. And, like, this just isn't the place you're doing that. It yeah, just hasn't exactly. worked. Yeah. But I think, like, also, like you said, like, when you're in addiction, like, it's such, like... We always hear it defined as like a cunning disease, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, it's like, no, it is her fault. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like in the addict's mind, it does kind they of They truly get like, believe it, I, be yeah. I believe. You, you oh, couldn't yeah. be that convincing if you didn't believe it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, the, yeah, you, you talking about him being like, why, why do you love me now? I mean, I'm sure there was a ton of shame he had with, oh, there you is. know, yeah. I mean, manipulating your mother into saying that you, she doesn't love you and, like, that must be a lot of guilt to deal with. So again, coming back to that of, of being willing to accept them, even after you understand they're just trying to manipulate me here, but then now they've changed and yeah. that isn't their goal. So like Aaron was saying that, that kind of coming back into trust uh, and, and coming back into understanding that now that that's out of the picture, that was the problem, right? The relationship right. wasn't the problem. That was the problem. Now that that's gone, we can kind of resume Kind of where you left off, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And that must be kind of surreal. It is. It it really is. I was just thinking when you were talking about that, too, how it's like I don't even know who that person was. I yeah. know who my son is, the one that I have now. Like, this is who he is, who I always thought he was even in his addiction. Mm -hmm. Like, when mm -hmm. I look back on some of those things that happened, I don't even know who he was. I'm sure he doesn't so, know either. No, I'm sure he doesn't. <laughs> to, yeah. I'm sure he, it is, it's, kind of person. It's really kind of phenomenal the way that mm -hmm. it, it, it's a horrible thing. It's yeah. a horrible thing. Yeah. yeah. It's really, it's like, it's this interesting, like, flux of things, you know what I mean? Where you kind of see, like, you start, like you said, like, with this child, right? And you kind of see him this way, and you like, this is who he is. And then it kind of, like, fades. You're like, okay, he's kind of, fall he's falling away from who, who he is. And, like, at least in your, in your eyes, you know what I mean? Like, from a parent's eyes, like, okay, he's fading away from who he is. My son wouldn't. And you kind of, it's like this, we takes on this weird form yeah, of, like, does of like justifications and things like that and you're like okay this isn't who he is i you know this isn't him this isn't him this isn't him and you're like wow this really isn't him you know what I mean? like boom yeah. and then like you kind of hit like that point and then like you know you get into recovery and things start kind of coming up and you're like okay like this is who he is you know you kind of come back to the same point you know where it's like that like and now like as time starts to fade so does that negative it does. image exactly. of him as well you know yeah. what i mean like and it's mm -hmm. kind of like 
I, I've always told him that too, that because I can remember when he was first, you know, in the in the beginning, and he would th- he would struggle with things, and he would struggle with n- with how people saw him or how, um, you know, how you have to prove yourself. That mm-hmm. whole getting getting that trust back, and I would tell him it's just time. The soon someday soon you're going to have more time on this side than you did on that side. Mm-hmm. So you think about it, you know, the every day is a day away from that. You're farther and farther and farther away from that. You're going to be able to look in the rearview mirror and it's, you're not even going to be able to see it someday. Mm-hmm. You're going to, um, but again, it goes back to what do we do with that? Like when things happen to us, what do we do with them? You know, we mm-hmm. need to, uh, we need to help other people. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting. I know I mentioned earlier, or actually in our other podcast, for me, it was like half an hour ago, but for our listeners, it's probably been a week. But um, mentioning uh, there was one of our uh, podcasts where this, uh, I got to remember her name. Anyway, she mentioned that as she became more and more involved with, with addiction, that that gradually replaced who she was. Like, oh, sure. as she became, you know, partying more and more, that that became kind of took over her as as a Mm -hmm. personality as herself and that's kind of sounds like you got this outside perspective of like Mm -hmm. at first it seemed like kind of like a i don't know like a corrupted image of like this is sort of my son but this kind of isn't and then gradually it grew into this is definitely not like the things that he had become were not consistent with who he was as a person Mm -hmm. like as this becomes the priority you know is just like needing more of, mm-hmm. of the substance that, that makes you feel all right, that that gradually takes over. And then seeing that it's almost like you got your son back. Is that ever it, a question you kind of ask yourself is, I just want my son back. You know, it's kind of, it's interesting. He's even better than what he was. He's even better than I remember him. Um, <laughs> but it is, it is a really interesting, I hadn't really thought about it like that, that it, it is totally a different person. But I think the beauty of all of this is that he is back and better and that no matter how bad you are or where you're at, you can come back. Mm-hmm. That is the message, right? You can yeah. come back and um, and be even better than what you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think you are better because he, he does have um, that need to prove that he is who, who, I, who I raised him to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think, like, the message for parents in that, too, is, like, what... Because it is so possible to come back. You know what I mean? Oh, it's yes, like, it is. Whatever your faith is, like, just keep it. You yes. know what I mean? Like, even if it's in, you're at that point, like you said, where you're like, you don't know. You know, there is a lot of sense of insecurity about, like, are they going to be okay? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you got to draw your fine lines. You got to put your feet down sometimes. You kind of got to do these things that are necessary that you don't always want to do. But I feel like in the back of your mind, like, it's kind of be one of those things where, like, maybe it is in the front. You know, I'm not a parent. I don't know. But it's like, you got to keep a little bit of faith here, you yeah. know, at least a little bit. So, yeah. Because I feel like you said, like, flirting that boundary of, like, making solid boundaries and letting them feel like they've given up on you is kind of, is a fine line. It yeah. is a fine line. Yeah. Let go of the control, not of the person. Exactly. Right. I think that as a parent, you have control over your child's life from when they're very young. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to... Uh, I'm sure I'll go through that process eventually someday when I have kids of my own of gradually letting go of them as I have less and less control and they start making independent decisions. But then if they start making bad decisions, 
I think the natural kind of knee-jerk reaction of parent is to take back that control because yeah. mm-hmm. that's what you did in the past. You know, if they're running in the street, they don't get to go running anymore near the street because, you know, you have to. Right. So the natural reaction of the parent is I need to take more control. Therefore, I can keep them from making the bad decisions because I know better. And the truth is they know better too. Mm-hmm. But but I think that you don't want to let go of that control because that's that you feel like you can still do something. Right. At least you can still interact with them. Maybe you'll change your mind this <laughs> yeah, time, yeah, exactly. this time, this time. But Oh, and no. you, also get, you also get into that trap of um, it, not only, you know, how they say, if you love me, you do this. As a parent, you get into that, well, if he loved me, like why? I know he loves me. He, he's got to love me enough to change, right? He's oh, got yeah. to love his children enough to change. Mm. There's got, I always thought, like, it was crazy, like, how I know that you love me and your children and your grandparents more than this life you're leading. And mm-hmm. so, again, there's mm-hmm. so much education out there now, and there's things that we need to understand about how the brain works and how it's not me that he doesn't love. He does right. love me just as much. Yeah. But what effect that drug physically has on the brain and on that person? Yeah. So you can't rationalize any of this. Yeah. That's the thing. You, as If you're trying to help, you cannot rationalize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And plus, if you kind of, there's that, I think there's like a little bit of a desire to kind of use guilt to kind of be oh, like, sure. you don't understand how much <laughs> other people are hurting because of you, exactly. basically. Oh, yeah. oh, it's my like, goodness. But they yes. do understand. It's not that. So yeah. it's right. funny that the guilt, ironically, it seems like it would help of, of kind of a little bit of shame, kind of being like, hey, that's not okay. But that's actually fueling the fire of escapism. If they're trying to escape from the painful reality, being like, you're such a bad person. Like, okay, they probably know that, or I at know. least that's not going to help. <laughs> well, you know, fault. it's so funny yeah. that... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a bad person, <laughs> and he's you, Mom. You made me this way. No. <laughs> well, that's so funny, because I, I came to that realization. Like, I don't have to tell you your daughter misses you. I know you know that. Why would yeah. I? And what, when I quit, I quit doing that. I quit sending these texts that, you know, you missed another whatever, or, where you know, your gran- your grandmother's in the hospital, or, you know, I quit mm-hmm. doing that, because... Mm-hmm. What does that do to them other than push them farther and farther away? Instead, mm-hmm. I would replace that with, you know, I love you. We're waiting for you to come back. Wow. Can't wait for you to, you know, get it together. Just those affirmations and that constant love. Right. Um, wow. They want they want to hear how bad they are. They know it. That's why mm-hmm. they they continue to use drugs. And so yeah. when you confirm that, like, look how horrible you are, they're like, yeah, I know I am. That's not what's going to turn them around. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, because then, then if they if they didn't already believe that they're a bad person, then they're like, well, you know what? I am <laughs> a bad, bad person, person. <laughs> and I don't give a bleep about whatever, you know. I mean, I got my goes. mother's text to prove what a bad person yeah, I am. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, especially like when I was younger, you know what I mean? Like, I obviously, you know, I remember having these thoughts, and like, because I feel like a lot of the reason, like, like just from a very personal standpoint, that I didn't dive deeper than I did into some of these other things was like, because I did have family members and friends and a support system, luckily, unfortunately, that really did care about me. But it's and like, how many times I thought like, dude, how much easier my life would be if I had nobody that cared about me. Right. <laughs> Genuinely. Exactly. And like, that makes absolutely zero sense, you know, now, but I'm like, like that is like, yeah, like, that confirmation versus affirmation. Like how bad do you really want to hear how bad you are? You know I mean? Yeah, that's kind of it, weird. It's so like, much easier to hear how bad you are than right. to hear. I still love you. The family's still waiting for you. Everyone loves you. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to like, right? right? So yeah, it's, it's so much easier to not think about the family that loves you and that you're hurting. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. I think it goes back to that like interpersonal or interpersonal, like 
you know. You, yeah. I mean, like, there, you come to a point, right, where, like, the, the veil kind of fades away and, like, sort of, sort of like, a romanticized idea you had of what doing drugs would look like, you know, yeah. and how mm-hmm. it would affect your life kind of starts to shimmer away here and you're like, oh, man, now, now I need a real reason. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and your parents, like, and not, like, that you don't have a real reason in the first place, but, like, that confirmation of how bad you are is a really good, like, nice reason to keep going. Well, and yeah. and even think about, even if you're trying to return home or something, okay, what are you going to want to come back to? A bunch of angry people who've been <laughs> right. very pissed off at you from ignoring your responsibilities? Or a bunch of people who are excitedly waiting your return because they want to celebrate you having your life back that they're sad that you're gone and it's just like and they're just wishing you were there you know yeah. that's the kind of that's the kind of emotion that you want to think hopefully that people miss you yeah i mean and maybe they don't know that maybe they don't understand that's what they want but certainly the you missed you missed your your daughter's christmas play and now everyone <laughs> hates you it's not yeah. like all right you know what i'm going to fix everything and come yeah. back so i stop disappointing people yeah. like no, yeah. that's just not going to drive, you know, mm-hmm. that support that, that you had. I think that's definitely the right approach. I think that's a good point for, like, even just people in the community, you know, that kind of see some people that are struggling or things that going on. Our parents or anybody is that, like, this disease is, like, so hard to rationalize. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, honestly, fairly impossible. Because I think it's a lot, really hard for a lot of people just in, like, the society, not society but the culture that we live in they really wrap like their minds around the fact that like something can control us in this way you know what I mean like on your priorities and like things Mm -hmm. like that you know you hear like the old Nancy Reagan like well just say no you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like or like or like oh like you you don't love your kids more than you love this and like that's just such an out-of-bounds question because it's like it's so important to understand that like these substances can absolutely control your entire decision-making process Mm -hmm. from a very, like, Mm -hmm. biological level. Absolutely. Can absolutely control, like, your life. And like you said, like, that whole fading from, like, who you you thought you were, who your parents thought you were, who, like, who you were into, like, this just kind of thing that, I don't know. You're still a human being, obviously, but, like, to this person now who just exists to, buy new drugs right. or alcohol or whatever it may be. You know? I think the way to sum it up to really t- in, in a few words of the way that the, the kind of knee jerk reaction to addiction or the traditional mm-hmm. uh, outlook is it's just not worth it to them. It's just not worth it because there aren't enough negative consequences. Right. It's just not worth it because they don't love their children enough. It's just not worth it because they don't care about themselves or their community. Right. It's just like the, oh, it just doesn't have enough value. Mm-hmm. And that is, no, their values are being hijacked. It's, Absolutely. They, they are valuing this above everything else because of what it's doing to them physically, what it's doing to them emotionally, you know, and and at one point it was their choice to indulge in the very beginning it started out as their choice Mm -hmm. but at some point it stopped being really a choice and now the new choice they have to make is getting out of it but the default is going to be that that uh going back to what brings the comfort it's not like oh it's because there's no death penalty for drugs that's what's stopping it is that (laughs) if people are losing their arms or you know like oh and stealing there's a lot of stealing in in whatever like india or something because they cut off your hand if you steal it's like it is not that situation (laughs) it is not that kind of oh the consequences just aren't bad enough like that is not what's going to get people to change is is 
um, making a rock bottom for them because we have heard right. many people who have been through rock bottoms and say this is this is what they exactly what they say when they get done telling you and you would think I would have stopped then. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that phrase a million times. Right. And you would think that that would be enough pain. Mm. But it's not. Because it's not about the pain. And I think that is like... The, the, the misconception, if you were to... In a nutshell, is is that uh, they're just not hurting enough. And no, there's plenty of pain that's going on. Actually, that's what they're running away from. Right. Mm-hmm. Part of it. So adding more is just going to... More desire for escapism. Exactly. I think it's fueling the wrong fire. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's just super interesting. And I think, like, from a parent's perspective, I mean, just like four parents who may be kind of going through this stuff and are kind of feeling, like, do you feel yourself, when you're in that, do you kind of feel yourself getting caught in those kind of things? You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to think about it, like, how I want to articulate this because I have a thought and I got to. But, um, Take your time, dude. Yeah, I'll edit this. But, yeah, it's um, unlimited time. One of those things, you know, like where you feel yourself kind of either slipping into this conversation, like that you're like, pro- no, you probably shouldn't be having, like, with your son or oh, whoever. Yeah, maybe you yeah, know what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah, and then yeah. like, like, how does it kind of spark this? Like, okay, I shouldn't have this conversation. You know what I mean? Like, what is that kind of like? I I think you know, you use cues or like little like just. Well, again, I go, uh, for me, I have a firm belief in, in, um, in, in God and that he speaks to us and he speaks to our, through our conscience and we know when we should and shouldn't do something. So, ne- so now that I'm educated on, on drug addiction, I, so I, I try to go back. Mm-hmm. I think it's imperative that people educate themselves. If you've got a child in addiction, educate yourself as to what addiction is. Mm-hmm. Don't think that because I thought it and I'm a pretty I'm a I'm an educated person and I thought that I could love him enough to bring him back I could his kids would be enough his um you know everything that he'd be, I, I thought that those things would be enough so first of all educate yourself on what that drug actually does to the brain mm-hmm. it those things aren't going to be what it is when you the as far as having those conversations i had those conversations with him those bad conversations with him for years but it wasn't until i educated myself and i took this class i studied you know what i needed to do what i needed to do for him that then in your brain when you're having that you're like nope this isn't the way this is supposed to go i need to stop this conversation tell him i love him and and i'll be there right, right. i'll be there i'll be there mm-hmm. and so i i guess it I guess, I guess if, that, if there was a takeaway, that would be it. Educate yourself on what drug addiction really is. Right. And, and I, think, I think that's what's making the change and why we're seeing so much success is that people are understanding it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, uh, it's not like a flashy answer. It's not no. like, well, you need to tell your, you need to take them in the middle of a desert <laughs> yeah. and right. then you got to leave them out there with water in a tent. And then in five days, they're going to sweat out all the addiction, and that'll solve it. You know? It's like it's, not, it's just like you will probably have to change yourself a little bit, and you're going to need to get educated. And that seems pretty simplistic, but it, it really works because a lot mm. of it is misconception. Right. And you're, you're just making the wrong moves because you don't even know what game you're playing. You don't even mm. know what the grand strategy is. Yeah. Right. So, so, yeah, education is... It, seems simplistic but it's definitely well and i think too helpful. you know there there is no one answer there are people right. that need to go to meetings every day there are people mm. that um are wake up one day and they're no longer have a desire i mean mm. that truly does happen um mm-hmm. there are 
you know, and my son, when I say that, he 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 ended up not going to any type of programs or anything, but he did um, he did uh, get the um, what's the injection. Oh, like yeah. There's like uh, the one that stops you from that. Subuclate. The one that's one. The one that doesn't let you feel the effect if you were to use drugs. What's that? Yeah, yeah. That's well, suboxone. Not, not suboxone. No, no, no. That's a film. It's not the drug. Methadone's like a drink. No, it's it has no narcotic. It's, it's it an prevents injection, the receptors right? from. Yeah, Dale. Oh. Dale's yeah. talked about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. The, I think that's what it is. It's not that. What um, it does it. Um, there's a there's probably a name. Anyway, for it the lasts actual, for thirty yeah. days. Right, and it right. Prevent, yeah. If you were to take a drug, it would prevent the neuroreceptors mm-hmm. from. I, anyway, he did. He took that for um, two months, mm-hmm. um, just feeling like because he said it helped his cravings. He didn't, you know. Right. But he didn't. He he. Again, I guess what my point is this is that everybody is different. Mm-hmm. So how how you get out of it is different, and we shouldn't. I don't think there should be a, a set. You have to go. X amount of days or X amount of months or it's right. it's going to be different for everybody and one thing that my son said that really I think I shared with you yesterday that is so true drugs weren't the problem his problems were the problem mm-hmm. and so that's what has to be dealt with and so for people different people obviously it's going to take different uh, things to help them deal with the problems that made them right. start using yeah. drugs in the first place mm-hmm. so I, I'd love to do his story I want to hear what those three months were like yeah. you know because something changed because yeah. really eventually it got to the point where basically all he wanted was hey can I not go through withdrawal yeah and that's all he needed right. really I yeah. mean that's what it sounds yeah. like and I mean it sounds like he got to that point because he confronted some of those problems that you were talking about that to the point where, okay, as long as I'm not sick after I'm done with this, I'm done with it. Yeah. He, like I said, he was he was four days in detox and left the state to go to work, and he said it was the hardest month of his life. He said he can he, – he remembers specifically being so sick he wanted to die and just closing mm-hmm. his eyes and crying out to God and saying, you've got to take this away from me. And he said he fell asleep. He doesn't even know how long he was asleep. And when he woke up, he was okay, and he said he he went on, and he finished wow. working and came home, and anyway, he's back up here now, but mm-hmm. he had a real, uh, he had a, a very interesting experience. Um, mm-hmm. It's really interesting to hear him tell it, so mm-hmm. he's got a good story. Yeah. But it's it's just, not that way for everybody, though, right? Yeah. So oh, everybody's yeah. different. Absolutely. Again, totally individualistic. and. I think that's where you need to separate the addiction from the recovery is that the mm-hmm. addiction I think is the same for what the drug does to you mm-hmm. is physiological and right. there's that aspect and then there's what it takes to recover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, it's almost this, like it's, there's some like interrelations between like these, I don't want to call them stages, but like the typical like advancement of how this goes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, from what we've heard and like our stories, you know, like there's these emotions you're trying to escape or just things you're trying to cover up or hide, or maybe you're curious, you know, or whatever, whatever may lead to that. And then it does kind of follow the similar path where like, bang, you're hooked. It happens. A lot of things happen in that point. And then like when it comes to recovery though, I think the reason it's so different for everybody is because these initial problems are so different. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because there are some things that like, may have were different for so-and-so that were different for so-and-so that led us to kind of a similar path but now that path is going to divert again when we have to really think about like the strategies we create for taking care of these Mm -hmm. very different problems that we first 
brought up, you know. And so I think. Yeah, and I and again, I want to go back. I am certainly not an expert on addiction. I've tried to study and learn as much as I can about it. But I think for me here today, my point is that, you know, just that there is help out there for parents. Um, mm-hmm. And for people that have loved ones that are going through it, and it's about getting well yourself and and having those tools and those strategies to um, be able to help that person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, and that that really helps. I, I think it it should help uh, maybe parents who feel like they're basically not good enough. You know right. that they have really messed up. It's like I don't know why I can't just help. You know, and it's the the reason is because it's basically a skill. Right. It's basically something that you can learn and apply. It isn't an inherent something as a parent. No one just comes equipped with, oh, my child's an addiction. Well, a good thing I know exactly what to do in the yeah. parenting handbook. No. It's actually a very unnatural reaction, you know, yeah. to, to help them. It's a very mm-hmm. unnatural reaction to have to say no and to, you yes. know, to, to have boundaries. So Definitely. Yeah. So it's good to have support from an, from an outside source because sure. even if you did know what the right thing to do, it would get really confusing really fast. Right. Because, you know, you're just like, well, what if it's different this time because of, because everyone thinks that they're the outlier, you know, right. that the, the things yeah. are going to be different for them. And yeah. like, you know, you grow up, you're like, you're a little, you're like 14 or something. I can do a long distance relationship. That's fine. It's going to work out great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good luck with that. Because you know? it, it's, right. it's just the kind of thing you, you right. think that you're the exception of the rule. Right. So to hear someone tell you no, and here's some steps that will help you to deal with that. I think, I think that's gets you out of your, your own head. Right. And start realizing what the priorities are. So what are some of the resources for parents in our community that really don't know what to do or don't really know where to go to get educated on some of these things or just kind of some initial steps parents can take that may be kind of dealing with this stuff? You know what? I don't know. I don't know where that, what they are. I know for me, I happened to stumble across this program that I was able to, you know, um, that I've been able to share with a few people. I, I would love to see it get bigger. Um, I, you know, I'd love to be able to be in a position. And, and maybe maybe from this or, or, or other things, that, that that might be one thing. I know, I honestly, I'm not sure. I don't know. You mm-hmm. guys know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean. What are the resources? I have to ask myself that question myself. I happened to find one that worked for me, and it was out of kind of a, a really weird thing that happened that I uh, happened to find it. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, I want to continue doing it, but I, I, I don't know where the other resources are for parents. Right. Hmm. I imagine through here, like when you're doing group, I know that they bring family in, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, and maybe that's something that needs to be talked about more. You know I, mean? I agree. And maybe that this is like a big first step in that because maybe there aren't realistically, I mean, not – really that we know of there's a ton of resources for parents you know what i mean i know and mm-hmm. like coburn said you know to take a care of the ripple first versus the thing that's making the splash you know yeah. I mean? because i think when you can kind of get to parents and people who have some real as much real influence as someone can with someone in addiction you know whether that's parents or any loved one or any right. valued peer we need to have more and I think like there's Al Anon meet not yeah. Yeah, I know that is one of them. <laughs> Al Anon meetings and I don't know if they do they have Nar Anon? I don't know if they have one or not here. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We should I'm you know sure. what? We should actually ask like Jerry if there's 
resources for parents, or we should look around and maybe we can slap those can onto find, the end of these. Yeah, and I know you can find Al Anon resources on like Google. I know you can search Al Anon, and that's like a pretty tradi- uh, traditional program. It's kind of like the family member right, version right, of the right, right. 12 step program. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, yeah, and I think that helps deal with a lot of this stuff. Like, I, with, um, like parental grief and things like that. It kind of gives you some tools and it's based in some research of how to, you know, and, and I deal guess with yourself in these things. Yeah. And that is another thing too, that I, I think the, even, I think sometimes if there was a, an overabundance of resources for the parent to come out and admit that they have a child that is an addiction, that's another thing that we need to be able to, um, overcome that stigma that there's, mm-hmm. you know, like, for me, I don't know. For me, I was never really like ashamed of it. In that, I've always been pretty bold about like that. Okay, like I'm no better than anybody. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I have a child. That's that this has happened to. And um, but I, I meet people all the time that you think have got it all together and their family's perfect, and then they'll tell you, oh yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, kind of quiet. We don't want to talk about it too loud. Because, yeah. you know, so there's a stigma still attached to that, too. And so maybe that's what prevents people from even seeking help or, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. Yeah. And then maybe you know, that this is just like an off the whim kind of thought. And like maybe that's why there aren't as many resources. You know what I mean? Because it's not as pronounced of, an, right. of a problem. And we're just getting in to addressing in like the last five years mm-hmm. maybe the stigma of addiction right mm-hmm. it's spurred a lot like with the opioid epidemic has spurred a lot of this research right. mm-hmm. uh, that we're talking about and like have been very involved in the educational process for society and the world really but maybe like that's the next step you know what i mean is i think it is be i think it needs to be because i mean mm-hmm. I, i've had my son tell me he doesn't know that he could have made it back without me mm-hmm. without that support and that love and that knowing that he would be accepted back mm-hmm. parents play such a key role i think and in, mm-hmm. in not for everyone but you know for a lot of that um that's your foundation right is your parents and that you know right. i think it's a, a very key role in recovery Right. Yeah, knowing that he so. didn't burn all of his bridges, right? That, yeah. that you weren't about to let right. him cross the bridge just for anything, right? But it was still there if yeah. if he wanted to kind of change. And that you know that 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 kind of goes back to when I was talking about when he the first time he went into recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Because we want it so badly that we can kind of have blinders on. So I think those are other tools that are really important for a parent is that to know that when they come back, it may not be this time. It may not be the next time. It may not be the next time. But and so to know when you know those red flags to pay attention to those red flags and um, again, there's a lot of tools and I think teaching and education that needs to happen for family members. Yeah, I think the main idea, if we were really to distill into kind of a really minor actionable plan for for maybe parents who are listening to this, is basically that you want to support your child in knowing that if they change what the their actions that they're doing that they will be welcome back and that you're totally willing to support them getting resources support them getting exactly. support even exactly but that you're not beyond that it's basically nothing right. that that you want to always kind of be pointing them in that direction mm-hmm. and then 
loving them, telling yeah. them that you love them, telling them that you care about them, that you wish they were back, that you miss them even. I mean, just that's the kind of message that is really going to be successful. Yes, exactly. Right. I, and, I, you know, just reminding them what, because like when you take that person out of the family, it changes the whole dynamics of the family. And that was the other thing with him that I used to tell him when I would tell him I loved him is that not only did I love him, but the family needed him. Mm. We needed him. Like, you are part of this structure of this. We need you for certain things. And so mm -hmm. for them to feel like, because that's important, right? Mm. You want to feel needed. Mm. And um, and so, again, the just another one of those mantras, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I, I need you. I love you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... I think that's the kind of support that even if people changed, you know, just that and and didn't pursue these other resources that are maybe like a little less uh, built, but at least took that idea of yeah. of supporting recovery mm -hmm. and not supporting addiction. Right. Basically. Um, exactly. I think mm -hmm. that's that's a really good takeaway. Yeah. So. I think that's like. That is. That's just. I can't say any better than that. <laughs> as eloquent as I think I am. <laughs> Maybe after law school. Right? Yes. Maybe after law school. Except you'll go to the worst one ever. No, I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go to the. I'm gonna pick out the last rate law school in the country, and then I'm gonna get on the U.S. Supreme Court. There you go. Just fight your brother. Just yeah, to beat actually, Eric. I'm just gonna make sure that nothing he does gets. <laughs> Well, that's a great way to end on, you know what, the exact opposite of support. Strike it all down. You know, I do want to say something, though. This is just in addition to, remind me of this legal thing, and my mind's mm -hmm. going, is how um, devastating the legal system is to, to drug, for drug addiction. So Absolutely. my son was super fortunate that he didn't have any kind of legal stuff. Yeah. It was the difference in him succeeding and failing because he now had he was able to go back to work right. and had and got and got a really good job doing mm -hmm. what his trade is because he didn't have any legal stuff. Mm -hmm. Had he had uh, any kind of felonies or anything on his record, this this is my soapbox. The mm -hmm. whole legal oh, thing no, and no, how no. it is my soapbox about no, how how you can you know what do they come back to if they can't go back out and like I said my son came back and he's like this beautiful person that was better than what he was when he because he doesn't he didn't have any obstacles to overcome that way mm -hmm. what would happen if he was had not been able to get a job yeah. and where would he go what would he do yeah. have you, know? you ever heard of therapeutic courts huh I had not before this yeah. either so we, we just, just did, did one with Penny Wellness Court which is a joint jurisdictional court between Kenitsee and the state and so there is is a like a whole therapeutic court for people in substance uh, misuse that focuses on recovery. So like they don't go to a cell. Like they may have felonies. Or actually, yeah. It's it's if they if they don't have a violent crime or a sexual right. crime, sure. Then they don't go to prison. They're in the community. They don't have an ankle monitor, and it's like a plain closed courtroom where the judge will talk to them as a person and be like, listen. We want to help you out. We want mm -hmm. to help you get better. Well, how can we help you get better? And so there is actually, it was so awesome hearing about this because I had never heard about this yeah. either. So it's really exciting to hear that that not only is there the, the joint with the, the um, Kenaiti Indian tribe, right. but there's also yeah. other therapeutic courts that maybe people don't understand that that's even an option, that if you get mm -hmm. a felony that you could basically go into a rehabilitative court where these people are meeting like maybe weekly talking mm -hmm. about, 
I think Henu does meet yeah, weekly. Yeah, they, they, they meet weekly and talk I mean, about that's what we strategy. Need. I, exactly. I, I, have I think a, that's I a have good a... thing for parents to know, oh, too, because know, even it's... if you're, like, you're talking to your kid or, like, you know, with them through the court process, like, to maybe, like, whisper in their ear or their <laughs> lawyers, you're like, dude, you could get into therapeutic court. Like, you qualify for this, this, and this, and maybe get educated on, if you're in that circumstance, like, the requirements you need to meet for therapeutic court, what exactly mm-hmm. that would entail and kind of give them at least those options if right. they're ready for right. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, I, I have a, a friend who is in that position right now, has been clean for four or five months, and but has all these court-pending things, all drug-related charges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they can't go out and get a job. They can't right. really get on with life. They can't. Mm-hmm. And so there you are stuck. Granted, you know, they're recovering, and that's all good, but... Mm-hmm. What, what do you see as, you know, as that person, I can't even imagine, like, I'm either going to go to jail or I'm not. Like, I can't make any more life cho- decisions or mm-hmm. I can't do anything until this is solved. And, you know, the court system, it can go on for months and months Slow, and months. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. I mean, that to me, it's a huge issue with recovery. and big barrier. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. That's a whole other podcast. Well, <laughs> well, I think that that's just reinforcing the idea of you want to make recovery a really appetizing, like something that, that you exactly. really want to come back yeah. to where, yeah. wow, my life will be so much better if I do this. Exactly. That this is actually the better option because you're, you're kind of pre-designing a life that they'd want to live. Yes. Because that's one of the biggest things that helps people in addiction is designing a life that they think it's worth suffering for. Right. That they think it's worth experiencing in all its gritty pain and, and awesomeness, but that is worth it. And so the more that you can say, hey, when you choose to come back, is everything's actually going to be a lot better and you're going to have some of these needs met that you're currently trying to meet with things right. that aren't going to last long term. Right. And I think that that, that is what's really going to drive people back. So mm-hmm. like, like you said, with that isn't encouraged when you're basically kind of outcast by society and given the stamp that says, you know, you're a criminal and things are just not going to go as well for right. you. Yeah. When you have to check that felony box on any kind yeah. of application or paperwork, I'm, I'm sure it must be just... That's a barrier. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, it's a barrier. To, what to, kind of job can you get? Yeah, to yeah. any job, yeah. to any access to any anything. Mm-hmm. Your access to anything is very much limited when you have to check that box. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Like, you can't get a driver's license. No, like, mean, you can't get a job. Yeah. Like, you literally, like, have the most... You can't vote. Like, right. you have mm-hmm. the, Like, your most fundamental <laughs> rights... Are gone. ...are absolutely stripped. Because Regardless of whether you've paid your debt or not. Yeah. 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 And, it, like, and maybe you're not being, like, super destructive outside. I mean, there mm-hmm. is always some ripple effect of destruction. Right. But maybe you sat at home and did drugs, and that was a problem. Right. So, in response, you were forced to sit at home. And, well, you're not supposed to do drugs anymore, but, like, you know, like, house arrest or, or whatever. Right. Like, this isn't, this is very similar to where you were before. <laughs> mm-hmm. But now, like, why would yeah. you not yeah. go back? Right, exactly. Like, oh, yeah. But we're going to put you in the exact same place with the exact same people that you were But we're going to make it way harder to go anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, when there needs to kind be an of. effort, not only if you can't change the court systems, which will take a while, but it needs to be worked <laughs> on, is that we need to look at employers and big corporations mm-hmm. and people that are doing the hiring, right. you know, to take a look at uh, is, is that box really relevant, you know? Right. And mm-hmm. so... And I think for just even the people, you know what I mean, that have to check the box. Like, and I think people get into this weird stigma too. Like, even I think a little bit of like felonious activities come with stigma, obviously, too. Like, when you get out, even if you're recovered or not, you know what I mean? Like, sure. You think, like, you hear these words like convict and yeah. felon, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
whether you want to or not, you've been pretty conditioned to think of people that check those boxes sure. in a certain way. Sure. You know, and mm-hmm. it's one of those things where, like... It's reinforcing the bad person thing we were talking about earlier. Exactly. And I exactly. think when you, like, you know, like, well, I'm a felon, so I got a job at Walmart. Like, I think we need to give those people a little bit of affirmation because they're navigating a waters that is so difficult. Yes. To navigate in a realistic way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you have a felony and you're working right now, like... <laughs> yeah. that's huge like, that is such a barrier it dude. is and like mm-hmm. or if you have a felony and you've like, found a way to get your license like and you can drive to work yeah 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 like, yeah that's that's great seriously you know like the most legitimate way like that's not meant to patronize that's not sarcastic like that is very serious absolutely it is a very difficult <clears throat> thing to navigate and mm-hmm. it makes life just even if you want to recover it makes it that much more difficult like right. it does present mm-hmm. a barrier I think this is the right kind of balance because, again, our, our focus isn't on enabling. You don't want to make it, you know, easier. But then again, consequences is not the, the really the force that's going to change people in this area. Mm-hmm. Making it harder for them to get a job and stuff isn't going to stop people from committing felonies if, if that isn't the real struggle. Mm-hmm. If right. that isn't what is really stopping them. is I mean, there's some people who probably the negative consequence is all that stops them. And they're like, okay, right. you know, I don't want a felony on my record, so I'm not going to do this. But then for people who are involved in this, who, who you know, even if there was, like, a, an option, like, if you were clean for so many days, then that would kind of fall right. off, you know. Even if there was kind of a balance so that it wasn't in, in an enabling sense, but really in a, a mm-hmm. supportive sense that, hey, if you change your life around, this will fade away because we want to welcome you as a new person. Right. Mm-hmm. And not keep you stuck in, keep reminding you of who you were. Keep right. reminding you of all the bad right. things you did when you were in the darkest place. Like you want them to have hope and start striving for better things to make right. a life more valuable, more worth living. Mm-hmm. So I think that's definitely. And I think when we hit on, and I think we're seeing a shift at a smaller level because you'll see, like, especially back east in the more progressive states where we're seeing, um, like, misdemeanor drug charges. Those people who are in jail or prison for those misdemeanor drug charges, especially like with marijuana and mm-hmm. stuff, are being released now and pardoned. Which is a good first step. It was a huge first yeah. step. You know, it's like, there's just like some things where jail is not going to help. That's right. And someone who's addicted to heroin and has to be forced to detox in a concrete set, nine by nine, people die in jail. I know. Or mm. with, withdrawing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like from withdrawals, from very serious withdrawals. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so I think we are seeing some progress there, but there are some new and innovative thoughts that are yet to be had and conceived that. Hopefully, you're going to be done soon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. who knows? It's good to support this. Yeah, even yeah. just having these conversations and even like for people that are listening, you know, like having, like, first of all, becoming educated on these things and then having these conversations with the people in our community just as a community is what's really going to kind of spark a lot of this. Right. I feel yeah. at least. Well, and I also think too, there's people who, you know, we don't realize how many people are affected by it. It goes back to that. That guy that's doing the hiring at Walmart, maybe he's got a child that he thinks hey, if that was my kid, I'd want him to have a chance, you know. Right. And it's going to take more and more of that, and I think you're seeing more and more of that, people that you, you – I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone personally that hasn't been affected by it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, in some way or another, right. you're affected by it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no problem. Any, anything else you want to hit on? No, I mean, I, I think I got everything. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> I feel like feeling lightened today. But yeah, I think for parents that are out there, I think kind of the, the things we've 
really hit on today is like really approaching approaching people with balance you know having that firm understanding and gaining education and knowledge on kind of what this looks like and kind of creating a new understanding of what it's going to take and what love really looks like Mm -hmm. um are the key things you know being continuing to be firm consistent and loving like you're just kind of the the recipe for best possible outcome whatever that may look like Mm. um Sandy, thank you so much for being here today. This was awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. A ton of fun today. So this was you and I for the keynote.